Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, hello, 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 and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. Uh, today we're doing something a little new for me. It's part two of uh, last week's interview. I didn't get a chance to finish up my chat with my guest last week, which is uh, Mr. Geechee Dan, so we decided to come back and uh, run our mouth some more here. Uh, he is the author of the book Kingdom Hall No More, and uh, we were discussing last week his dual life in the hip-hop game and growing up as a Jehovah Witness. And uh, like I said, we didn't get a chance to finish the story, so he was gracious enough to come back and spend some more time with me today, and I, I greatly thank him for that. Now, Geechee, I think we were kind of rushing through the uh, end part there, so we got some time here to kind of backtrack and, and kind of get it all in there so the audience fully understands, you know, what you were going through. So I think I want to go back to um, the part of the part of your story where your mother gave you an ultimatum. Uh, she was kind of lax on you uh, in your uh, Kingdom Hall lifestyle, but there came a point in time where she, she said either or. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, okay. Either or. Yeah, all right, first of all, let me, back, let me backtrack. Welcome back, and thank you for coming back. Welcome to the show today. No problem. I appreciate being <laughs> back. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's go back here because, you know, the story is so full. It's so rich, and, and I, like I said, I just want to make sure everybody gets a, a grasp of it. Um, so let's go back to the part where you were. And, and let, me, let me clarify. When your mother gave you the ultimatum, were you already, like, deep in the hip-hop game, or was it before that time? I was pretty, I was getting deep. Okay. I had had started out in 83, 84, and then around 87, I I had maybe about three, a good three, three and a half years into, you know, rhyming and, um, you know, developing a a reputation for, you know, freestyling in, in, in the parks and parties and, you know, different, you know, different uh, places, you know, um, um, I was doing a lot of, uh, you know, practicing and, um, I was doing a lot of, um, you know, making demos for the radio station at WBAU at Adelphi University. And so I was developing, a you know, a reputation for, you know, what I, you know, for rhyming and, and putting my name out there, you know, Geechee Dan this and Geechee Dan that. And everybody was, you know, catching on and every, and it started spreading from Queens and then to Long Island and, you know, throughout the boroughs in New York City. And, um, you know, got some, you know, attention from other rappers, some other people in the, in the music business as well. So, you know, I was, uh, a force to be reckoned with. I, I can say that. And then, okay. of course, I was doing this as well on the streets and I was doing it and I started making demos. And then I was doing it in the Kingdom Hall as well. I used to rhyme in front of the Kingdom Hall, and I used mm-hmm. to rhyme in the Jehovah Witness Convention. So I was developing not only, you know, my name in the streets, but I was also doing that inside within the, an organization as well, within the Kingdom Halls, you know, under the radar, so to speak, so that, the, you know, the elders didn't didn't catch on to me to later on. And my mother, they caught on to, you know, later on, but everybody that was into music back then in the Kingdom Hall that attended... You know, they, they knew, they heard about me, but, you know, they didn't get to 
reached um, my mother and, and the elders, you know, the higher-ups in the Jehovah's Witnesses until around 87. Now, let me ask yeah. you a question, because you mentioned something last week that, you know, I kind of thought about all this week since we've been waiting for this show to come around. Now, it's a known fact. You've got some, some very popular entertainers out there that are uh, Jehovah's Witness. You know, Michael Jackson comes to mind um, right away. And it seems to be there's no problem, there's no issue. Uh, why is it, uh, or why was it an issue for the hip hop genre to try to coexist with the Kingdom Hall lifestyle? Well, at that time, we're talking 1984, 83. Mm-hmm. Hip hop was, was baby stages at that okay. time. So it wasn't, it wasn't taken serious at that time. It wasn't considered real music. It wasn't okay. considered something that, you know, people looked at it as a gimmick. It, it, mm-hmm. They looked at it as, uh, you know, this ain't, this is not something that's legit. This is only a fluke. So, so when they when they compared R and B and pop music to and, and when they talked about hip hop, that was they was like, oh, that that ain't they ain't legit. That ain't real. Mm-hmm. That's that's gonna, you know, that's not that's a fad. Hip hop is a okay. fad. That's when it was considered a fad at that time. So it wasn't taken serious at that time. So when you talked about you know Michael Jackson, George Benson, Sly from the Sly and the Family Stone, different Jehovah Witnesses that was into the like pop music and R&B music at that time that at that time it was considered um they was considered you know big superstars mm-hmm. you know rap music was just coming just was um you know just was just coming you know just coming um maybe about 4 or 5 years okay to the you know to the form you know to the forefront and to you know to, and LL Cool J and Run DMC you know being from Queens you know, with their success back in 83 and 84, 85, that's when it started taking, you know, a little bit more serious okay. to the mainstream audience. So that's when, you know, um, but, you know, it wasn't, it, but it took that time, it took LL and it took Run DMC to, to take it to another level for rap music and hip hop to be seriously looked at. And I think you mentioned somewhere in your book there was a moment in time where, you know, you were out there trying to, you know, uh, put your demo out there and LL actually came to your mom and tried to explain to her, like, look, this is not a, pe- this is not a fad. This is, this is the real deal. And, and right. she still wasn't buying into it? She wasn't buying into it. No. <laughs> I mean, this guy, you know, LL, you know, um, you know, he was, he was on Soul Train at, the, at this time, you know, he just started out and he was okay. just, Getting, just getting, um, you know, into main, getting into the, you know, crossing over, and and taking rap music and taking hip hop seriously. And my mother wasn't wasn't buying it, but you know, she saw him, she saw him on Soul Train, so she was like, wait a minute, that's that guy that lives <laughs> down the street. I said, yeah, that's that guy that lives down down the street, and he actually, you know, came, him and Cut Creator came to my home, and they told my mom, hey, look. This is real. I'm, I'm making six thousand dollars a show. I'm making money from this. This is yes. this is the real deal. I'm on Soul Train. I'm getting a little award here, awards here and there. I'm on MTV. Mm-hmm. But my mother was like, eh, I'm, eh, it's, it's only a fad. It's, it's just a fad right now. You know, sounds good, but <laughs> she's gonna be dead. Two more, three more years. This ain't. This is just. It's just a passing for a passing phase right now. So that's how she really looked at it. But she she didn't discount it, but mm-hmm. she didn't take it she didn't take it seriously. 
Mm-hmm. He didn't take it serious until I got a record deal. Okay. Back in 87. She took it serious then, but then even then she was like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's cute. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I did a song called Chilling on the Beach. I did, okay. um, my first version of Chilling on the Beach back in 1989 and 90. Then she took it a little bit more serious because by that time, um, Hammer was, had crossed over vanilla ice mm-hmm. um so that they, they took hip they took hip-hop to another level okay which it was really it was like at that point in time it was acceptable it wasn't okay. a fad no more this was a multi-billion dollar business now this was True. legit Le- too legit to quit there you go <laughs> and hammer, <laughs> yeah and hammer took it i'm you know i'm not gonna uh, and fresh prince and hammer crossover crossover and, artists yeah, they took it to another level. Then she was like, oh, you got a song called Chilling on the Beach. Oh, that's, I can see the appeal in that. Can <laughs> I get George Benson to help you? Can I get somebody to help you? Now she wants to get people to help me. <laughs> By that time, I'm already disfellowshipped. <laughs> oh, okay. So this is 87. So this I need was, to, I still need to back up some more because when did you, uh, get, what year did you get disfellowshipped? I got this fellowship in 1990, I believe. 1990. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go back to what were you doing that caused you to get this fellowship? Um, now she gave me an ultimatum in '88, 1988, in that spring. She presented me the ultimatum: look, for you to remain in my home, and for you to re- to get the remaining money on your guardianship account, you have to get baptized at the next upcoming circuit assembly or district convention. And if you do not get baptized within the next six months, you have to leave my home right now, today. Mm -hmm. And that's when she presented me that ultimatum, um, in the form of a um, in a letter, and she had it notarized. And she's like, "Look, you sign it today. You have to get you have to get baptized in six months. If you're not going to get baptized and become a Jehovah's Witness, you're going to have to leave today." That, that's a little deep. We get notarized letters and everything. Uh... Yeah, my mother notarized it. Right? Yeah. Sign on the dotted line, and <laughs> and I had nowhere to go at that time. In '88, I was um. You know, uh, I was doing my thing and I was, um, you know, just working and mm-hmm. I was going to, um, York College, City College. And, um, I was, um, you know, I was just doing the things when I was, I believe I just turned 20. Yeah. I think I just turned 20, 20. I think I just, I was 20 going on 21. And she was like, uh, look, this is it. You, you, you've been doing, you know, I've been allowing you to get away with some stuff. And, you know, it's time for you. Now you know right from wrong. And it's time for you to make that decision and become a Jehovah's Witness. Mm. And I was like, wow. I had So I made phone calls that night to several people. And my uncle said, nope, can't stay here. Call mm. my sister. Nope, can't do nothing for you. 
called another uncle. I don't want to get in between this, any situations between you and your mother, so I'm going to stay out of it. I'm going to be neutral. So I called a friend of mine that was in Virginia Beach, mm-hmm. and he said, well, yeah, you can come down here, but not now. <laughs> you know, I'm setting up I'm setting up shop right now. He was um in the pharmacy business, in the legal pharmacy business. And, I love how um, you clarify it. The le- legal pharmacy business. <laughs> yeah, the legal pharmacy business. <laughs> and he was like, look, yeah, all right, what's going on? I said, yo, man, I got to get out of my house, man. I, I, I got nowhere to go. He said, well, mm-hmm. later on in the year, come through. Uh-huh. So I was like, man, all right, well, all right, cool. Well, I, I, so I signed. I signed the letter, and I she she made she gave me a copy. And um, Labor Day weekend, that September October, I went to Virginia Beach, and then I told my friend, "Look, I I got baptized September. I can tell you what day I got baptized. I got baptized September September fourth, nineteen eighty eight. I got mm-hmm. baptized and became a Jehovah's Witness, and." To them, that's considered an ordained minister okay. and a publisher. Okay. And that was Labor Day weekend. October, November, I went to Virginia Beach, rented a car, and went down to see how everything was coming along on my new residence and, you know, my new my new life, so to speak, mm-hmm. my second life, so to speak, away from the Jehovah's Witnesses. So and I said, okay, everything looks good. I quit my job at Kennard Cruise Line as an accounts payable clerk, that last, that December of 88. And I moved to Virginia Beach that January, the second week of January, 1989, I believe. Okay. Yep, 1989. And then I moved to Virginia Beach. I packed all my stuff, got all my comic books, and got (laughs) all my clothes, and I got everything. And I just bounced. And I went to Virginia Beach, and I was living in a condo over in um in Virginia Beach and I was trying to find employment but I was I thought I was you know I was free you know I went to my last Kingdom Hall meeting um that Thursday night I remember in January right after New Year's I went to you know my last meeting and I was like hey you know I'm going to Virginia Beach and this and this now my mother was telling everybody I was going to Virginia back to the hometown her hometown when she grew up in Virginia, a little town called Gretna, Virginia, right outside of Danville and Lynchburg on U.S. 29 mm-hmm. South. And she was telling everybody I was going to Virginia, that part of Virginia. She didn't tell everybody I was going to Virginia Beach. Because mm-hmm. she, she wanted the elders and everybody to think that I was going to relocate to Virginia and have my publisher's record card moved to a congregation of Jehovah Witnesses in Virginia and in the little town that she was raised in and where my grandparents are from. So okay. she wanted, she was trying to cover up for me. Hey, my son is moving to, uh, to this part of Virginia. Make sure that you move his publisher's record and information from the congregation in New York to a congregation in Virginia. Uh, you know, I got I got some questions about a publisher's record, but before that, because I'm not clear on exactly what that is, but before that, we're going to take a, a quick commercial break. We'll be right back, and I want you to explain it to me when we get back. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. 
Hello, hello, and welcome back. Uh, I'm hanging out once again with Geechee Dan, a.k.a. Daniel Chamberlain, who's the author of the book Kingdom Hall No More. And uh, before the break, we were discussing how uh, he got baptized as a Jehovah Witness, thinking that, you know, that was just his out for a few months. And uh, he moved to Virginia, where his mom is uh, kind of fronting, like he's still belonging. But you mentioned something that... Um, like I said, a lot of people know about Jehovah Witness, but they don't really know about Jehovah Witness. So there's a lot of terms right. and stuff that uh, you guys use that are kind of unfamiliar to us lay people. So you're, you you mentioned that you, you, you're you quite a qualified as a minister. And you've got this publisher's record and all this stuff. And, you know, I, you kind of lost me there. So what is all of that? Okay, publisher's record card. It's uh, to keep track of um, all your activities when you become mm-hmm. a Jehovah's Witness. Or when you are, um, or when you're associated as a Jehovah's Witness. So, when but when you become baptized, you get a you have a, there's a publisher's record card that's associated that's attached to you. So, all your activities in field service, all your act, Bible studies that you you could, you're conducting or have conducted in the past, it's it's just a tracking device, so mm. to speak. It's just to track you know who you are. You get a you have a publisher's record ID attached to you and. So they like, oh, Daniel Chamberlain. Oh, he goes to the Murdoch Congregation. That's the congregation I was going to in Queens, New mm-hmm. York. So they like, okay, this is Daniel Chamberlain. He, this is his, um, he belongs to the Murdoch Congregation. His baptism date, September 4th, 1988. Um, his mother, Louise Chamberlain, um, been going to the ten, Kingdom Hall since, um, since he was seven years old, has, um, Bible studies. Six Bible studies here. He has, um, you know, accumulated field service time each month, 46 hours here this month, you know, 10 hours this month. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a record of, of all that's a little of uncomfortable. everything that you're doing. That's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, well, that's what they <laughs> Yeah, so they say <laughs> that's, a, that's a publisher's record. Right. Okay. Okay. And, and all right. Publisher's record. So then, so that publisher's record is um, everything is recorded. All everything that about you is recorded. So when I got baptized, I'm, they put that baptism date, and when you get this fellowship, they put it this, um, that you know that date as well. Mm-hmm. When you um, this fellowship or expelled or public reproof or any you know such activity, such you know anything that's going on with you, they put that on that publisher's record. So. That record goes with you wherever you go. That's where the publisher's record card go. So they were sending that publisher's record card to Down the in Virginia. in Virginia, right? But not the part so of Virginia that you were hanging out at, though. Right, exactly. So my was, <laughs> you was up my there finger popping in uh, someplace else, right. and mom was trying to front like you was uh, right doing your thing. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. So we're, we're down in Virginia. Mom me. is mom is in New York trying to save face and say her son is down here doing the right thing. And and you said Dan Danville. Where? Yeah, she, um, a little town called Gretna. It's right okay. outside of Danville, Virginia. Okay. Yeah, a little okay. congregation there in Gretna, and um, in the Kingdom Hall there, and her and the um, and that hometown where she grew up. My grandparents are from, and she um was like, "This is how we going to play this." Mm-hmm. And so I was like, "Fine, I really don't care. <laughs> Fine, whatever." <laughs> But she wanted she wanted to protect me, so to speak. She didn't want them to know everything about what was going on. As long as she knew, she can give she can care less about what everybody else knew. Okay. She had you know she had her little hidden agenda behind this. Okay. 
so that's how that happened. And then um, I went to Virginia Beach, and um, I was involved with, you know, as I've stated, I was hanging out with um, people that was in the illegal pharmacy business. <laughs> and um, I was down in Virginia Beach, and that's what I incorporated a song called Chilling on the Beach. It okay. was about chilling on Virginia Beach. It was the atmosphere, the environment, um, how Virginia Beach was at that time in 1989. And I went and recorded a song called Chilling on the Beach. And that was, uh, it was something different. It was, it was one of those type of songs like LL Cool J would do. Real mm-hmm. relaxed, real smooth, laid back. Mm-hmm. And um, I got caught, I caught notice for a production company and a label that was interested in doing a single and doing a state of commerce commercial for tourism. Hmm. Use that song, Chilling on the Beach, for the state of Virginia for tourism to promote tourism in Virginia Beach. Okay. So I was on my way, so to speak. So now my mother wants to, like, hey, maybe I need to reach out to this brother or this entertainment company that's run by a Jehovah's Witness couple or individual, and maybe they can help you, you know, um, help you with your Chilling on the Beach song now, because now she sees the crossover back in, you know, now she can see where hip-hop has gone now. She can see where Mm -hmm. hip-hop is at that time, and she sees my song as a crossover hit, and now now she's interested in helping me. (laughs) (laughs) And I was, and then I started going to the Keenum Hall in '88. That was in '89. That first part of in January, as I said, I stopped going to the Keenum Hall. So now we fast forward to 1990. I come back to New York, and I stay at my old home in Queens, and stay in the basement. And my mother is renting; she's rent, she's renting out the upper part of the home to mm-hmm. a Jehovah's Witness couple. And they are still attending the congregation that I was um, attending all those years. Okay. And now they are snooping, and now they're, you know, putting out there that, you know, Danny Chamberlain is doing this. Danny Danny Chamberlain is smoking, and he's doing all type of illegal activities, and he's Mm -hmm. committing adultery committing fornication, he's having sex, he's having he's having orgies, and uh-huh. I mean, just they started spreading a lot of gossip and started uh-huh. spreading a lot of rumors about me, and it and it got to my mother back in. Now my mother sold the home and relocated to Virginia at this time, nineteen ninety. She had moved in eighty nine and eighty eight. She had moved. She, she had moved. Okay. To Virginia. But I think she yeah, She moved in eighty nine. I believe. Okay. Now, 1990 comes. She's in Virginia now, in Gretna. Okay. And the and the and the and the, you know the, the elders, in the in the congregation in in Gretna was calling up, to my old congregation in New York and saying, hey, we, we got his publisher record, but he hasn't attended none of the meetings here. Okay. Okay. And in the, and then in the meantime, this couple that was in, in the home that my mother was renting out the house to, they spreading rumors about me. And they looking, and, and, and at the same time, you know, my mother, I'm talking to my mother, and I'm telling them, hey, 
I'm in the basement, and these guys are spreading the rumors. And so my mother cut out. My mother cut the lights out on them, pretty mm. much. My mother cut the lights out on them and told them stop talking about my son, stop mm-hmm. spreading the rumors about my son. And they said, fine, no problem. And then they continued on. They continued on. So my mother got tired of that, and my mother kicked them out the house. She mm. found a way to get them out and remove them out the house. And so they didn't like that, and they went and told the elders and my old congregation, hey, Louise is doing this, Louise is doing that, and her son is doing this. So now the elders are looking for my mother. Gotcha. They're looking for my mother, and they can't find her. They can't locate her. They can't get her on the phone. Because now they're trying to get her out. They're trying to get her out, to, you know, to put her out the organization. Mm. Because they're hearing, they hearing all a bunch of stuff about my mother. So now mm. I come back. I'm in the home, and I was talking to I got on the, I got on the, on the phone, and I had a conversation with someone that I used to go to the Kingdom Hall with, a young lady. And I started talking and running my mouth. I see. And saying things that I shouldn't have been saying. Loose lips her, sink ships. Yeah. <laughs> I told <laughs> her, you know, I was, I was, um, you know, I, I had a good time in Virginia Beach and I was doing this and I was doing that. So she was interested in more about what I was doing after I got baptized because it didn't, everything I did before I got baptized really don't count for mm-hmm. you to get this fellowship. Everything that you do after you get baptized and become a Jehovah's Witness counts. Okay. So I'm running my mouth telling her I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing uh-huh. this. this. I'm doing this with this girl and I'm having... Really? She's like, really? Wow. Oh, Thanks. sure. Really? Tell me more. Right. Oh, okay. Tell me more. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I started telling her more and talking to her more. And then after I told her everything that I was doing, after I had got baptized, she didn't want to hear no more. She heard enough, got enough information, enough evidence from the conversation, and she went and called one of the elders in my in the old in our you know in our old congregation in, in Queens. Mm-hmm. She called um she called one of the elders, and the elder called. I'm not and I'm not kidding with I'm not kidding. He called me ten minutes later, right after the conversation. He called me around eleven o'clock that night. Just got on the phone with the quick. girl. Yeah, he yeah he called yeah, and this elder, um, he's been after me. He was he's been after me for a number. Of, he's been after me for for uh, for some time now. You know, he's been after me for a minute. Like he's been talking to my mother. He's been like, "Hey, I've seen your son here." Uh, you know, for years. You know, ad coming up. Yeah, you know, probably back back up. when the whole hip hop thing. Uh, yeah, he's coming up. He's, he's he's telling my mother, "Yeah, you know." I seen Danny Chamberlain here, I, or Sister Chamberlain. I seen your your son here. So for years he's been ratting on me, so to speak. So now he he got me. He's calling okay. me now. He's like, "Look, Mr. hey Danny, how you doing?" I'm like, "Uh oh, how Uh-oh. you doing?" Hold on, hold on, Danny. Oh, uh, uh, get you there. We're gonna take a quick break. I want to hear this conversation when we come back. Let me do this commercial real quick. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. 
Hello, hello, and welcome back. I'm uh, here with part two of my interview with Geechee Dan, the author of the book Kingdom Hall No More. And before the commercial break, we were uh, talking about uh, loose lips sink ship, and you were running your mouth and got yourself in trouble here, and the elder makes this phone call. And uh, what, what's, what's, the elder, what's the elder got to say to you on the other end of the line there? Oh, boy. Ooh, Lord. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. He um he called and he said, hey, um, just got off the phone with such and such, the sister, and you do you know her? And I'm like, yeah, I know her. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. got off the phone with her, too. <laughs> yeah. Sinky stomach said, um, yeah, feeling. Yeah. That, that feeling in your stomach. Here we go. Yeah, he's like, here we go. Mm-hmm. I knew, I already knew it was, when he mm-hmm. called and I heard his voice, I said, yeah, I know what's up now. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, "Yeah, um, just got off the phone with this sister here, and um, y'all had a conversation that is um, have some. We have some concern. Me and um, two other elders were gonna have some concerns about. We need to talk to you, so we need to arrange a meeting, mm. uh, whether at, either at my home or at one of the brothers on the committee, um, so we can talk about this matter of this conversation." Of, of of fornication and mm. and we uh, we've been looking for your mother and we've been looking for you and so now um, we like to have that opportunity to talk to you. Mm-hmm. When can we meet? And I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> so I was like, um, I don't really don't know because I'm you know I'm working and you know, <laughs> um, I'm trying to find, I don't know when it would be a good time to meet. Well, let's you know let's try to meet up as soon as possible so we can discuss this matter and resolve this matter. As soon as we, as soon as we can, I said, mm-hmm. well, sure, I understand that, but um, you know, my work schedule, you know, she said, well, what about next, the next two weekends? I said, fine. So, you know, we um, we schedule a date. I think the next two weekends from that phone call, I got on the phone and called my mother, and she said. Don't you mention my name about anything <laughs> what's going on. If they looking for if they looking for me, then they need to they need to um they need to contact me or I'll contact them. But as as far as anything with any um anything with what I what was going on with me, anything, that's none of their business. Mm-hmm. And I and I realized that, you know, I said, that's no problem. I'm not gonna sit here and discuss anything with you with them. Mm-hmm. So and she said by no means do you need to tell them all your business as well. You don't need to be telling them all your all your activities and all that. You need to not discuss that. Those are not those are. I'm telling you, they're going to disfellowship you mm. if you do that. And I'm like, mommy, but I'm tired of do. I'm tired of living a double life. I'm tired of doing going back and forth with this. I never okay. wanted to get baptized anyway. I never wanted to be a Jehovah's Witness. Gotcha. And I, I don't like to be, I don't like the position that you put me in. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, this might be an escape route as far as clearing my name. But at the same time, she's like, this ain't the time to do that. <laughs> these ain't the brothers to do it with. Because mm. these, kind of, these elders have been after me. And instead of getting me, they're going to get you. Mm. You're, you're going to be the, you're going to be the scapegoat of this. And they're going to, they're going to disfellowship you. So you need to really think about the conversation you're going to have with them. And um, you should have never got on the phone and discussed your activities to whoever you was discussing it with. Mm-hmm. Because this brother is out to get you. He's been trying mm-hmm. to get you for years. 
as a teenager, now he's going he, him and his his cronies is going to get you. Gotcha. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we get to the the judicial committee meeting. At, now, is this um, a common practice? Is this is this is how this all yeah. rolls out normally in yeah. Jehovah's when they find okay. um when they find wrongdoing when you when they find out about some wrongdoing that um, someone in the congregation is has done or is doing, then they'll this is what the um, protocol is. They um arrange a, a meeting. Mm-hmm. It's called a judicial, a judicial committee. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's it's a meeting for pretty much judgment. You know, mm-hmm. what are we going to do about this? Are we, um, are we going to put you on public reproof? Like, it's like, it's like, you know, silencing you for a temporary six months or whatever. Or is it going to be, um, the fellowship, which is, you know, th- you know, expel, expel you from the, you know, from the congregation. Mm-hmm. So, um, depending on the, ser- the seriousness of the matter and to them, you know, fornication is, is pretty serious. So, um, so let, let, let's just say part of your problem is you were having uh, relations with some ladies out there. Right. Okay. Right. I was, yeah, right. <laughs> so and, you're um, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Right. Okay, yeah. go ahead. So you go to your meeting. You have your meeting. Yeah, we have our meeting. And there's three elders, three men. That's the Northern practice, the normal protocol when they're um, addressing wrongdoing with the individual. It's three of three of them, and they discuss, you know, the wrongdoing. Hey, we heard we was told by this sister such and such the conversation you had. Is it true that this is? This? I said, well, um, partially true. At that time, yes, I was. I had done this. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about more about that incident. That you know, um, tell us about who it was and. So now I got to name names of the individual oh, wow. I'm having sex. I had sex with. They want. They asking me all these personal questions. You know how? What, what, what was done? Was it oral sex? Oh my was it goodness! Sex? Was it regular sex? Did you use a condom? Was any positions involved? Uh, was any other people involved? How many times? So then you're you're discussing everything. Mm. So, and so in that conversation, they throw up. They come up with my mother. Now, let me backtrack just for, let me backtrack a minute for a day or two. Before this, they asked me, um, we've been looking for you and such and such and such. And I tell them, you know, I'm working and I'm trying to, you know, get myself together and so forth and so on. And then they asked, you know, where's your mother? I said, she's in Virginia. We've been, we've been trying to contact her. And we can't get a hold of her. We've been hearing some things about her. And we like to ask you about that. I said, well, I don't know uh, what you're referring to or what you're talking about. I don't know about any activities. Well, we heard that your mother was doing this and your mother had done this and your mother was doing this and had put people out and this couple was saying this. And I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We are hearing all this, but you have to talk to my mother about that. I don't know mm-hmm. about all that. You need to get in contact with her or I'll tell her to get in contact with you. So let's move on. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking about my incident, my situation, and then we, like I said, we're going back and forth. We we talk about my incident, and then they here we go again with my mother. Hey, so is it you know, is your mother's number this? And I'm like, I don't I don't know. Did you call her? <laughs> well, did you leave her a message? 
Um, did she contact you yet? Well, I don't know. Well, you have no other way of contacting her. I'm like, um, my mother contacts me. Mm-hmm. So when, when she contacts me, I tell her to contact you. You know, they, they really hard rain on trying to ask my mother questions and mm-hmm. they trying to get me to rag on my mother or mm-hmm. talk about conversations or activities that my mother you know, was doing or allegedly was doing, and I don't like. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm. I don't know about all that. You know, let's mm-hmm. concentrate on me. You know, I'm ready to take the hit, so to speak. Yeah, I'm tired of playing these. I know games. where this is going. Come on, let's like throw this blow yeah, and, and get this over with. Now, do I want to be the fellowship? No, but do uh-huh. I want to be have some freedom and, and yes. some? Yeah, I wanted some freedom because I'm tired of living a double life. I'm tired of fronting, like. I'm a Jehovah's Witness, and I really don't want to be a Jehovah's Witness. (laughs) So they um, had about two weeks, two weeks of discussions and meetings. And then, you know, the last discussion was, hey, it was anonymous. We decided to to disfellowship you. And and they had some scriptures to support their decision based on, um, you know, the facts and the evidence and some scriptures to support their decision, you know, about fornication, about disfellowshipping and how, you know, just something that we have to do as, as ministers in the congregation to oversee no wrongdoing is corrupted with the other sheep members, or members of the sheep or members of the congregation. So, so let, let, let me be clear here. You got disfellowship for having sex while probably not married to another Jehovah Witness. Uh, that was that was a crime. Right. That was the crime. And my punishment was disfellowship. And, and you no like, longer well, can. Is it is it you no longer can be a Jehovah Witness or you have to do certain things to become one again or, you know, it's just yeah. a wrap. We done with you forever. <laughs> well, no, um, there's a. They said they stated to me when they read me out um, that day. They told me I was the fellowship. In order for me to, um, you know, to come back as a in good standing, I would have to, you know, repent to mm-hmm. Jehovah, and I would have to, you know, prove that and show works. I have to, you know, show that I've been repent. I've been mm-hmm. repentful and, and repentant. And mm-hmm. I have to come, I have to come back and not be spoken to. Um, I wouldn't be able to go and still service no longer. I wouldn't be able to conduct Bible studies. I would not be spoken to and I can't really speak, have conversations with all the Jehovah Witnesses no more. I'm expelled. Mm. Pretty much. Hold on, I hold on. Okay, I, no. okay. I got I to gotta get through this whole expel thing. That, that seems so deep to me, but I want to take this last commercial break, and, and we're going to come back and talk about that. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. I'm hanging out with the author of the book, Kingdom Hall No More, Mr. Geechee Dan. And uh, right before the break, we were talking about his disfellowship uh, from Kingdom Hall. Now, you were saying something, and 
it, it's, I guess it's just hard for me. You're talking about this whole process <laughs> of this, this fellowship and being expelled and, and you yeah. know, the congregation turning their back on you. It would seem to me you, you've got some people who are all operating from this one little book, right? You know, you, you, I know it is a derivative. We are that Jehovah Witness Kingdom Hall comes from this one book whole thing. And it, it seems to me if you have one, one of our flock who has lost his way, the thing that you would want to do would be to embrace them. You've made a mistake. You know, let's nurture you and, and guide you along to the path back home. But instead, you're telling me everybody just turns their back on you. We're not talking to you no more. You don't belong here. Right. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a shameful process. It is. It's very embarrassing and shameful. And it's, um, you know, um, that's the, that's, that's how they get down. I mean, for real, real. Like, I, if I go to the Kingdom Hall, now, now, they reach, once they, once they come to that decision, you are read out in the congregation that you're attending to. Whatever congregation that you attend to, that's where they read your name out on the Thursday night meeting. They say, hey, you know, we have our, you know, announcements, um, such and such, um, you know, conventions happening, such and such time and dates. Make sure you support that. And they tell about, the congregation uh, money as far as um, accounting and information and different things that's going on. And then they'll come, we'll know we have another announcement that um, Daniel Chamberlain is no longer uh, associated with the Jehovah's Witness and has been disfellowshipped as of, as of such and such. Now, so you've been with some of these people since, like you mentioned in all of this story, since you were eight years old. you got friends, you, you know, I'm pretty sure elders mm-hmm. you've grown up with. You know, so they're making this announcement in this meeting. Daniel Chamberlain is now disfellowship. This is your whole circle of life here. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, and when you read out, that's it. You read so, from that from that night from that from that announcement. They they and I'm I'm serious. They 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 say, you know, and as as with the Bible, we you know how we deal with mm-hmm. individuals mm-hmm. that disfellowship. We we will uh, follow scriptures accordingly and. Moving forward, we no longer associate with with this individual no more per scriptures, and they keep it moving, and that that's it. And then from that night on, if I'm seen or if I'm with them or among them, they will not speak to me. They don't even so look at me. Some they don't they don't they don't say nothing to me, and I don't say and I can say hi to them, but they won't answer me back. I'm not they're not supposed to have no dealings or association with me until I'm. Until they get further notice from the organization that I've been reinstated. Now, I can get reinstated. I would have to go back to the meetings. I would have to um, see and show that I'm attended all the meetings. I would have one of the elders on the committee see something that some change from me going into, you know, going, you know, to the meetings and getting back to studying again. And then they will go and tell the other two members of that committee, hey, we think that Danny Chamberlain has re- has been repentant and we allow him to, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and reinstate him. So then they'll make announcement, Daniel Chamberlain has been reinstated and everything has been now been, um, you know, um, everything is back to normal. So but, if um, they make this announcement in the meeting at the Kingdom Hall in, in New York, if you were living in Virginia, would they know? Would, does Yes, that, that's what I'm about to tell you right now. They stated to me, oh, by the way, Mr. Chamberlain, 
or Danny, if you decide to go to another congregation and you know you go you go to another congregation, no matter no matter where you go, those elders in that congregation will call us mm. and ask, "Hey, there we have one of your members here, Daniel Chamberlain, such and such, and he's been going to the Kingdom Hall and he started going." since April, and he's been attending all the meetings, and we would like to have your approval to reinstate him. Or, mm. you know, and they would say, fine, you know, how's he doing? How's his attitude? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and they would say, hey, okay, fine. Yes or no. Mm-hmm. They, the, the, the decision falls back on the original committee. So they mm-hmm. told me mm-hmm. that. They told me, said, no matter where you go, we we still hold the decision making on whether you be reinstated or not, depending on if you show works, if you've been repentant mm-hmm. and showing so, that your attitudes had changed. So after you, you were know, disfellowship, did you have mm-hmm. any thoughts of, of repenting or, or doing what you I needed to do? No, to- no, 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 I didn't want to have that attached to me. Mm-hmm. But again, I didn't want to play that game. I didn't mm-hmm. want to go back and, and do this just to clear my name. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother wanted me to do this. My mother said, well, go back and clear your name. Mm-hmm. Go back to the meetings. And I'm like, I don't want to go back to the meetings. I don't want to be a Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. I don't want to play this game. And, you know, and the, the, the decision making is on the on the elders. So no matter what congregation I go to, whether it's three months, whether it's two years, they have their power and say, hey, he looks like he's, you know, changed of heart and he's been repentant and his attitude has changed and he's no longer doing that wrongdoing no more or that, you know, so let's, um, you know, give him back his his privileges again. So now when you lose, when you become disfellowship, you lose all your privileges. Mm-hmm. That once that privilege of being able to congregate, congregate, and, and and talk to other members of the Jehovah's Witness and be part of the great crowd and live here on Earth, that promise that's gone. Mm. That's all gone. That's that goes right out the window when you get this fellowship. So so now you're worse than you're worse than the dog's vomit. As they I, got as, as, I got yeah, you. I got you. You're you're not you're crap now. You're not going. You. You're not going to go to heaven. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be in on an earthly paradise, and you're just not good in good standing with Jehovah and His people. Mm. So, so I'm assuming that uh, they were not too uh, receptive to you writing a book. Then probably not. <laughs> Did, probably I mean, anybody not. you know come knocking on the door and say, "Hey, Danny, I know we're not friends anymore, but look, we hear you got this no. book coming out. We'd like to no. talk to you about that." No, no, no. Once no. they, once I'm disfellowship, they have no, they have, they, they already deem me as someone that is not in good standing with Jehovah and his people. So there's no need to bother me mm-hmm. ever. As long as, as long as I'm not, as long as I'm disfellowship, they have no reason to bother me. They have no reason to contact me. I'm already shown that I'm with Satan and and I'm and I'm already um not I'm not um 
you know, I'm against Jehovah and his people. So I'm labeled as an apostate now, which is I went against Jehovah and I went against the Jehovah's organization and his people. So now I'm deemed as an apostate. So when you when you labeled as an apostate, they really don't really don't bother me. Like for real, real like I'm an outcast. <laughs> I'm somebody that just went against the organization and went against Jehovah and they're not going to bother me. They're not going to approach me. And I'm worse than, like I said, I'm worse than someone that, you know, I grew up in the Jehovah's Witness. So how dare you Mm -hmm. go against Jehovah? How dare you go against Jehovah and, and, you know, what Jehovah has stated how we should be as witnesses? You went against everything that you grew up on. So... (laughs) Mm-hmm. And this last little two minutes I got before we get out of here, uh, what is your response when, you know, we all get those knocks on Saturday morning on the door and you open the door and, you know, how do you, how do you respond when, when the Jehovah's come? Cause I'm pretty sure not everybody knows Dan is not in that life anymore. So how do you respond well, when you encounter? Well, um, in the beginning, I just told him, I know all about this. My mother's a Jehovah's yeah. Witness. And, um, oh, your mother's a Jehovah's Witness. What about you? I'm the fellowship. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, were you thinking about, okay, and then you were so, um, um, is that where you stand at now? I said, yeah, um, really not okay. too much interested no more. Okay, we'll have a good day. Bye. Okay. That's okay, it. cool. Okay, real quick before I get out of here, we've been talking about the book, uh, but you do have your own radio show. Uh, tell people how to link into you, uh, so us old school hip hop heads can stay connected. Um, I have a radio show called the Geechee Dan Hip Hop Tape Show. I will be back on the air in the next upcoming months. I will be on HilltopRadio.com, and I'll be on FacesOfSuccessRadio.com as well. Okay. So um, I play tapes of, of all my hip-hop icons, um, live performances of individuals that's now successful in hip-hop, Um I played tapes of them before they were successful, before they were, um, before they had made record recording deals or before they started recording, uh, professional. I have them as amateurs or I have them in parks, skating rings, parties. In the vault stuff, in the, in the vault stuff, cool stuff, cool stuff. So you also have, uh, social media, right? You're on Facebook. How do people reach you on Facebook? Yes. Um, I'm only as Ichi Dan on Facebook. Geechee Dan on Facebook, okay? And we can go to Amazon and get the book, Kingdom Hall yeah. No More. I thank you, thank you for hanging out for me two weeks in a row. I just, um, you know, for me, uh, like I said, you know, all of us lay people, we hear about Jehovah Witnesses and, you know, you kind of think, oh, there's those people that knock on your door Saturday. But I don't think a lot of us realize the depth, the deepness, the, the you know, the psychological kind of mindset that goes along with that. And, you know, it's just kind of, you know, you just sit there and kind of wow, wow, when you hear some of the stories that um, former Jehovah Witnesses tell you. Um, I'm pretty sure there's, like most religions, there's extreme end and then the, the tame end. But it just seems to me the more stories I hear about Jehovah's, is always more so on the extreme end than the other one. So I thank you for hanging out with me once again this week. No that problem. is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I'm Lana Reed, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>